This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. This episode's going to be a lot of fun. I've got Skylar here with me to talk about ankylosing spondylitis. I don't know his story yet. This is going to be a uh, all new information for me, but uh, he's telling me that he's had one of the most transformative years of his life. So I'd like to welcome you, Skylar, to the Patterson Podcast. Well, hi. Yeah, it's uh, it is quite awesome to be here. It's I've been thinking about this for a little while, thinking I should email you just to just to see if I could do something like this. And it's it's a real honor to be here. Seriously, this is the coolest thing. Fantastic. Well, thanks for finding a suitable background in your large house there in Missouri so that we can uh, get get something that's quite nice to look at for folks that watching this on YouTube. We're going to have a chat about your story, um, your pains that showed up and what you did about it. We're probably going to chat for for a while like we do on most of these episodes. So before we do that, give us like a little bit of a snapshot of some of the results that you've achieved. Not a long version, just just in 30 seconds or a minute. All right. Well, to put it really, really shortly, I was to the point where uh, some days I was totally bedridden. I really had a hard time walking even my SI joint was so inflamed and it was it was really really rough specifically so bad one day that my mom actually had to help me go to the bathroom and you know it's but that gives you an idea and now I'm able to you know I'm able I was at the YMCA a couple days ago playing basketball with high schoolers that are you know they're not they're not going easy on me and you know I might have been a little too hard for where I'm at right now but that's I mean I know that my body is in a place where I can I can recover from that now. I can run, jump, you know, I can do anything I really want with with pretty little limitation. And it's it's pretty awesome. One of the inspirations for this you mentioned came from Cherie, which was a uh, previous podcast guest. She was the first guest that I had on talking about ankylosing spondylitis. And she also inspired another guest who recently appeared on the show with the same condition. So we have a lot to thank, uh, a lot to say thank you for for Cherie. Uh, and I did actually reach out to her recently. Her and I are still in uh, you know, somewhat regular contact and thanked her yet again because um, these stories that we share on these platforms enable us to reach other people with similar diagnoses or similar symptoms, and they can then be inspired to make changes. And sometimes it's just that one thing that we learn or, or that one person we listen to can be play a massive role. So um, hopefully you'll be able to be that person for some other people. And I, I'm sure that there'll be things that we talk about now that uh, appeal or that help many other people. So let's go back. We're only talking about a year ago, wasn't it, that you said to me before we started that, that this all happened. Tell us, how did this go down? Well, it really first started whenever I was in high school. I was 17 years old. Uh, and I'm only 21 now, by the way. So it's only been about four years, a little less than four years. But it was April. I remember very specifically because it was just a couple days after prom. Uh, and I woke up one morning specifically after a really, really hard workout the day before. I was I was always very into exercise, but we might get talk more about that later. And I just had a little what I would like, you know, there's some type of 
tweak that happened in my back and uh, my SI joint, my, my low back. And I just thought, that's ah, not quite right. But, you know, I'm just, you know, I'll just go to school anyway. So I went to school. Next day, I'm like, well, it doesn't feel any better. And this is very contrary to what I used to feel. Usually you work out a little too hard, which is what I thought it was. And then you get pretty, you feel better the next day. That didn't happen. Day after day after day, it didn't heal. Month after month, it got worse. That was my junior year of high school. I can gloss over a lot of the details. That summer wasn't, wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. It kept getting a little worse. And then that later, that next year, whenever my senior year of high school started, uh, I just got to say, oh man, it's, it was the worst year of my high school when it was supposed to be this most exciting year yeah. where a lot of ex- cool things are happening. You're thinking about what you're going to do with your life. Uh, it was, <laughs> I just got to say it, it was like hell. It was terrible. I mean, I'm just sitting in this, I'm sitting for seven hours a day and I'm thinking, when is this going to end? Because I have to go to the bathroom in in rest period and stretch. And ah, because I just and by the end of the day, I would come home. And that's the only thing I could do is I just be like, I just need to lay down and let my spine decompress. Anyway, let's gloss over some more. That summer was really bad. I'm just going to give it to you. It wasn't good. So uh, this my is, freshman so, year. So, so let me just interrupt and clarify if it's all right. Sure. So yeah. it really did begin. uh let's say three to four years ago, the initial, yeah, the, the first year sounded like it was fairly light, but the second yeah. year sounded significant. Which, which of the years was it when it was the worst or are we getting to that? Oh, you're getting to it. Yeah. It oh, was wow. definitely, it was definitely, it, it was a gradual progression. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I went to college and it wasn't far away from home. It was only about an hour, maybe a little over an hour from home. And my freshman year, I like to attribute it a little bit to the mental state I was in. It was very exciting. You know, meeting a lot of new people. College is fun in general. There's always something to do. Uh, and I was I was walking a lot, which was probably good. I mean, I'm sure that definitely helped a little bit. So that year wasn't totally unbearable, but it surely it wasn't any better than my senior year, especially. I mean, it didn't get all that much worse. But my sophomore year, it it just really compounded and compounded and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And by the way, I had taken all these summers leading up to it. It was like my mom and I's like goal in life was like, hey, we're going to figure out what this is. We're going to fix it and we're going to do everything we can. I had I had nothing stopping me. I would stop at nothing because, I mean, when you're in pain 24 seven, you'll do just about anything. So it got to my sophomore year. And it got, I'll just like gloss over details again. It got so bad eventually. I actually dropped out in October of last year because I was just, I was, I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night because if I wanted to sleep, I would have to pop, you know, painkillers, NSAIDs two or three times a night. I was really having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Sometimes I'd have to have my roommate help me out of bed. And that was really embarrassing. Sometimes couldn't even walk to the bathroom in the middle of the night if I had to go to the bathroom. It's just. You know, I remember one, this will, this will put it in, in perspective. I remember one specific time when I was on this amazingly beautiful trip. This was the summer before then, by the way, but this really encapsulates how terrible it was. It could take the best situation and make it just unbearable. We were on this picturesque journey to Colorado um, in the States, uh, and it was with a, our church group, our youth group. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, featuring as a young adult leader. And anyway, I have had a lot of amazing experiences with that same trip we go every year. And just that year specifically, it was just 
it was this amazing thing that was supposed to be amazing, but it was the worst experience of my life because, you know, we're always doing things. I was in such a bad way and I couldn't show it because I didn't know how to articulate it to people. Mm. And there was specifically one night when I just broke down and everybody saw it and it was it was really embarrassing. It was after I had been in the shower and look, I was shivering after you know, it kind of gets kind of cold after you're you know drying off in the shower. And the pain was so bad just from shivering that I collapsed into a pile on the floor and was just crying that God would kill me slowly. I was I was in such a bad place as suicidal. So I figured by that time, I, you know, later on in my sophomore year, by I had to drop out. Uh, I couldn't do anything else. There was nothing I could do at college. I was I, I had served my time, if that makes any sense. So. And so obviously, even um, with your best efforts, this would have distracted you from all of your studies and so forth. You probably weren't doing as well as what you did at school comparatively because you're in pain all the time. Was that the case? And what about socially? Yeah, um, definitely academically because I was apart, mostly because I was missing a lot of class. I was having a hard right. time walking across campus or in case of morning classes, especially getting out of bed. Socially, I want to say that surprisingly, I didn't suffer as much socially. And, you know, Clint, what I really think that was, it was a coping mechanism. I was trying to express something outwardly that I didn't feel inwardly, even in the slightest. And mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form, that kind of tricked me into, I say tricked in a light sense, but, you know, it kind of tricked me into thinking that I had this kind of sense of peace when I didn't. And I never told people about this. I mean, they knew, oh, Skylar's got like, I would always say a back injury, but I just don't know how long it's going to take to recover. And I have gotten tests and, but I don't tell them about all the tests that come back negative because then that leads to more questions and, you know, I can't mm. articulate the answers. So yeah, it did suffer academically, but surprisingly, I, I, I feel like I tried to compensate for that yeah. socially. And whether that was a good thing or bad thing, I don't really know, but it shows I was not in the greatest position, you know. Don't you think it's interesting how common it is? In fact, it's almost the default position to make up a variation of what the thing we're suffering from is when it's an autoimmune disease. It's oh my like, gosh, yes. What, what is yeah. that? I still haven't understood that. It's almost like, it's almost like the acknowledgement that you have an autoimmune disease is the modern day equivalent of having leprosy or something you anything but let someone else know that it's that see you yeah. know with it when it's cancer and not to put any diminishing sort of commentary around how bad that is but at least you get the support from loved ones and everyone comes yeah. to your house holding a pink balloon and says, we're going to do a walk and raise money for you and you can do this. And here's someone else who recovered from cancer. You can do it and come on, let's do it. And everyone's behind you. And it's almost in a way <laughs> offset yeah. by positivity. But with an autoimmune disease, you're like, uh, look, I, it's a back injury. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not something that, uh, uh, look, it's fine. It's fine. Let's go party. Let's go party. And it's all done yeah. suffering in silence. And that's why you go to the dark places. Like you mentioned before, when you collapsed in the shower, the dark places yeah. I've been to are just shock shocking because you just think, is, is this just something I'm going to live with in silence forever? And is there ever a way out of this? And it's so bad sometimes on your mental state and no one gets it. 
And it's Nobody, because it's yeah. your own body attacking yourself. You get into this <laughs> cycle of, in, of fury and panic and, and you've got nowhere to go because it's all inside you and it's you and you versus you. I mean, it's, it's shocking, isn't it? It is, yeah. Clint, I got to say, it is so awesome talking to somebody who understands it as well as you. I have, honestly, I, I have my mother who was, I know we talk, always talk about support. My mother was my support, my mother, my mother, my mother, because she went through eh, somewhat similar problems. But it's, I got to say, it is so cool watching you get enthusiastic about this, just like I do with people, only to see their eyes glaze over and they're like, what, what are you talking about again? I just, it's so cool that you, I know you get it. And I, it's cool talking to you about that. Anyway, this just a side comment. Oh, it was mate. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay, excellent. So what I don't like to do in any kind of platform is spend too long on the misery. So what we've done, we've really sure. established that you've had a lot of challenges here and that you really were in this desperate state. I mean, it couldn't have got more desperate, really. Yeah. Struggling to get out of bed, especially your mental state was in the worst. You know, you don't want to go beyond that. So let's now transition. What I'm curious is what did you try to do to help this before you came across the stuff that I share? Because the stuff that I share, most of my listeners know what that is. So we're, we can go through you know, some of the, the, the ways in which you implemented that and we can learn from you and the variations of, of that that you did. But first of all, what didn't work that you were trying during these years? Well, <laughs> Probably just about everything. Uh, yeah, I, I glazed over those details, but man, it, it, whenever I think anybody who's struggling who might be watching this, you know, you really will try anything and you'll throw lots of money at the issue. And we did try a lot, a lot of things. We had a lot of x-rays. We looked at a lot of different procedures. Didn't seem like they would actually help. Uh, you know, spine surgery was was coming up next on the list, which we were thinking, which I'm so glad we didn't go down that route because, I mean... The benefit rate, is, I mean, not many people really benefit from that, especially people with like chronic degenerative spine diseases like ankylosing spondylitis or any type of arthritis. People don't really benefit all that much from it. So, yeah, we had tried, you know, right before finding your program, we were like doing this. I mean, I was all out because I had came home and 100 percent of my energy was devoted to researching this. It was kind of like how you got for a, a couple months and you just try everything and, you know, procedures go to however many doctors, however many chiropractors you throw more pills. There was one time I was taking like 30 different pills a day. And, you know, some of them were like, most of them were like herb supplements or like five yeah. HTP or B12 or, or N-acetylcysteine or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. I'm taking, or fish oil. I'm taking so many pills and I'm thinking, you know, even if I, my mindset was, and I mean, it's so benign and it's weird looking back at it now because it's it's dumb now and then I look back on it. But I was thinking, you know, even if only one of these works, mm. I, I got to feel something. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. And sometimes when I maybe felt just a tiny bit better the next day, I'm thinking, what, what was it? What was it? And I wasn't thinking ah, it, it just could have been up to random chance. It's just tiny fluctuation. And that might have been attributed to my mental state where I was thinking, just looking so desperately for whenever I felt better, but I just couldn't find really anything. Yeah. Just, yeah, it was totally. You tried everything. Mate, <laughs> total overlap with my experience and my journey through, the, through that. I put up a, a slide when I'm giving my keynote presentation to show the stuff that I took over the years. And on the slide, there are 50 odd something things. And 
what's most interesting is that when I created that slide, I did it off the top of my head. So I listed, <laughs> I listed wow. 50 odd things that I could remember that I took and put them onto one slide. And those ones that you mentioned were everything you mentioned was on my list as well and a whole lot more. Yeah. And so, you know, we get to a point where, you know, we're, we're basically taking everything that we've ever heard a positive review online. Yeah. Just if one person said, oh, that helped me, you know, we add that to the mix. And then when we do wake up in the morning, we do think something may have shifted. You've got 50, 30 in your case, 30 variables. How do you know which of one of these 30 is doing anything? And in fact, put all those together and the body's so confused, it probably can't even possibly make an improvement forward. So, okay, what were doctors saying before we talk about now, you know, the implementation of our program and, and how that went? Uh, talk, us, talk us through what doctors were telling you. Obviously, surgery was raised. What about medications? Uh, medications, usually just non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. That's pretty much that was until the very end when we actually got the technical diagnosis. I never really took the diagnosis, but he kind of, you know, the room tosh pretty much gave it to me. But yeah, uh, it was always whenever I went to a doctor, the consensus was pretty much it's like, yeah, you're a healthy looking, very vitally, you know, vi what vivacious vitality. You know, you're looking great. Vi yeah. It had a lot of vitality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, and, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old kid. And, you know, if you have any pain, you know, just take an ibuprofen or a Tylenol. <laughs> and I did. I took them like mad because I had to. I had to. I, just, I couldn't get through the day. I sometimes mm. I couldn't get out of bed or sleep if I didn't. Mm. And it was yeah, it's frustrating. But and at the very end, we did get um, my with my rheumatologist. The appointment it was about a year ago. Whenever uh, he gave me that diagnosis of ankylosing spondylitis, he actually prescribed me a pretty heavy dose straight onto Humira. Didn't even mess around with, wow. didn't even mess around with methotrexate yeah, or yeah, prednisone yeah. or yeah. anything like that. And I didn't really know at the time. I had known a little bit about those drugs, and I knew Humira was definitely like on the higher end yeah. of of usually what they move people up towards. Uh, and the fact that he was wanting to give me a pretty high dose, my mom is pretty sure about this, and I think she's right now that I think about it, is that he's thinking, his thought process was, man, this guy's so young, he's got his whole life ahead of him, why don't we just kick this thing out of the park right now, give it, I mean, shoot at it as hard and as fast as we can, unload as many rounds of ammo at it as we can. So maybe that was his thought process, maybe, I don't know. But I never actually took the drugs is is the crazy part i'm i'm so glad i didn't but man was it rough man i i feel like most people would have yeah like yeah would have. the approach of trying to smash it or throw all the ammo at it as you said is actually the non-scientific description of what they actually want to do in every case so the approach for uh, treatment of rheumatoid arthritis According to my rheumatologist, who explained this to me in no uncertain terms, we want to treat it aggressively to get it under control as quickly as possible. That, that is the approach, okay? Um, so, you know, in that sense, your rheumatologist was suggesting something in line with those recommendations. Um, but let's not, let's not shy away from the fact that methotrexate and all these other disease-modifying drugs – they're pretty heavy ammunition as well. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. he, he's just bypassed the, uh, the, those ones and gone for that. Well, anyway, you didn't take that. So tell us yeah. what you did. Give me your, your, your healing journey. Tell us what happened. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's kind of hard to totally start. Well, I know exactly an instigating incident because I was learning a whole lot up through the years because I was researching a lot. And especially once I came home and dropped out of college, I was researching a ton. But the one instant incident that really just set it off for me is actually very similar. What happened to you, oddly enough, is my mom one morning, um, I was actually doing, I had tried tons and tons and tons of like diet modifications, but never a total, you know, workaround. It was just take this group out to put this thing in. And at that time I was doing a lot of green smoothies, a lot of supplements. And I, I had, you know, I was actually doing kind of keto at the time I was doing the ketogenic diet and I actually did see improvements on the ketogenic diet surprisingly, but nothing like what I've seen here. Anyway, so my mom suggested me, you know, you're not getting where you want. Why don't she just threw the idea out there just like we threw it at so many ideas out there. She said, "Why don't you try a juice fast? Why don't you mm -hmm. try a juice cleanse?" Mm -hmm. And which I'd had no idea about your program at, by the, at this time. And I said, "All right, let's try it. You know, I'll I do anything. I don't care if yeah. I, not eating was the only thing I hadn't done." Yeah, and yeah, that yeah, yeah. gave and and it was like I woke up on day 2 and I was like I'm almost at like, I want to say a 40% pain reduction almost overnight. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, I'm going another day with this. You know, I don't care if I don't get to eat. I feel good, you know? So I went another day and I was like 50%, I felt 50% better in like two days. And I, you know, if that didn't solidify the belief that, okay, something is happening in the digestive system along there, something is happening. And there is a problem whenever I consume things. Yeah. And I was on this track because that was like, that was like the first clue that the detective picks up. And this is, this is probably three months before I got your program two, maybe even two, but I had followed that rabbit trail down. And I was, I was coming across, I feel like, you know, it would have taken me years, just like it took you years. It would have taken me so long to figure out all the information that you present in your program so well and just well laid out. I probably would have figured it all out eventually. Maybe. I don't really know. But it, gosh, Clint, it would have taken me so long. And to have access to a program like yours that just lays it out cut and dry, clear as day, here's what you got to do. And that's pretty much it. That's so useful. So yeah, after that, I had I had been down the rabbit trail and I found Cherie, that that uh, the one interview that you had done with her. And that was kind of the thing that made me say, all right, so a lot of the things this guy is saying by the interview, it's pretty in line with what I'm going for. And why don't I just follow this trail a little bit farther, you know, pay an extra 50 bucks. It's the cheapest treatment I've ever played. Uh, it's 50 bucks is the cheapest treatment I ever paid for. You know, and that's and what I got out of it. Yeah. So I I had to follow the rabbit trail, but it led me to a good place. Oh, that is a, a fun story to listen to for me, especially because there's so many parallels with, you know, the, the fasting yeah. and finding the relief immediately and making the the absolute solid deduction from that, that it has to be the digestive system. And for me, that was it. I was certain there was no one could tell me that it wasn't the digestive system. And that's when I experienced the deepest, most profound sense of hope, you know, because I've learned from doing physics at university. If you can influence something, then you can gain some control over it. All right. And so if we can influence the digestive system by fasting, we can gain some control over it. 
all we needed to work out was, well, what can we eat to get the same result as what we get when we're fasting? And that became, that became a multi, multi year experimental journey. But when you started our program, um, how did, I mean, first of all, it's written for rheumatoid arthritis. So I'm sure there was a little bit of friction with that because of the titles of our different conditions, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure that you were able to see past that and just follow the process. Um, how did it play out? And did you go did you go full tilt or did you do half half? And how were the results? Um, well, yeah, I, there was a little bit of friction that I thought, okay, well, I have ankylosing spondylitis, so you know, I probably wouldn't have thought much of it if I heard, you know, if it's just rheumatoid arthritis. But then I see, then I saw Cherie's story, hmm. and actually, I saw the recent podcast you did with Judith. And by the way, if Judith is watching, she said she watches all your podcasts. So <laughs> hi, Judith. Uh, I loved watching your podcast. It was it was really entertaining. Anyway, where was I? I was saying. So you started oh the program. Yeah. Yes, yeah, started the program. So I had started, and it was full on. I mean, I I jumped into this as I was like, I'm going to be a hundred percent compliant mm. because I if this works, I want to know mm. because. I had known, oh man, this is really in line with what I'm already finding. Mm. Let's just give it a try. Mm-hmm. And I had tried, you know, things that are just about as hard as the program already. You know, at that time I was, like I said, it was right before, right before I found your program, I was doing kind of ketogenic and that was not working out so well long-term, partially because I was actually losing too much weight. Yeah. Um, now, so can I actually, I, I, can I jump in there? I've, I heard yeah. some good commentary around this from Dr. Neil Bernard, who you may be familiar with if you've spent enough so time. So familiar. Okay. So, so for those who I am, yeah. big fan, yeah. So those who don't know Dr. Neil Bernard, he started a uh, charity in the United States called the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. He, it's an enormous operation, and they run clinical trials. He's published so much work for the public through his his publications that are available on Amazon, books, and so forth, Kindles. Um, but he also has published a lot for the medical community through scientific journal papers. And he's one of the pioneering experts on type 2 diabetes. And he's also an authority across so many other medical conditions using a plant-based diet, low-fat plant-based diet. So we had the benefit of having him speak at a conference in Melbourne, which I hosted just uh, the other day. Um, and I wow, got to okay. listen to him talk. In fact, I sat next to him at dinner. And we had a great conversation about rheumatoid arthritis that I can talk about it for at another time. But what I gleaned from him when he fielded a question about the ketogenic diet, he said, most of the benefits that you feel symptomatically from a ketogenic diet once you begin is because of a sudden caloric drop. So you're actually yeah. not eating as much calories once you remove all the other sources of calories from your diet. And it's difficult to hit all of the calories that you need when you're only eating this small portion of food group. So that was his comment around it. He then alluded to much more to be said on this topic, but during a Q&A and you've got 25, 30 people with their hands up, that was his first response. Um, he'd also just covered an entire hour presentation why, why high-fat animal foods are bad for you, so it was pointless to then reiterate all of that again. But basically yeah. to say that's why we can feel some symptomatic relief when we shift to a ketogenic diet. But let's also add to that, if you're coming from a classic American or Australian, New Zealand, European diet, what you're doing is you've got all of these high fat foods, oily foods, junk foods, processed foods, and then you're shifting across to a diet that whilst it has its limitations, is a cleaner, it's actually like foods that the body at least would be familiar with, 
and not all this junk food and all this saturated like stuff that's coming in. At least your diet suddenly got cleaner and yeah. simpler. And if you add to that less total calorie intake, then you're going to feel better for a while. But is it a healthy diet for long-term human health? It certainly is not. But sometimes all we need to see is a sudden improvement and people can stick to this stuff for years thinking that because they got that initial improvement, it's the right diet for them. Thankfully, mm -hmm. th thankfully you didn't fall into that trap and stay with it for a long time. Yes. But, but yeah. I, I, did, I did interrupt you just to make that comment because I think a lot of people field questions from their friends and, and have family members um, say, what about this keto diet? What about this paleo diet and stuff? And um, again, whilst benefits can be observed short term, it's the long term impact that, that's worrying. Yeah. Uh, I got to say, when, uh, when you talked about Bar Dr. Barnard, uh, just a side note, health, fitness, and lifestyle intervention, as well as stress management and you know spiritual growth, all these types of things, just health as a general thing, has always been an interest of mine. That's why I said I was very into exercise and you know eating clean before then, and I thought I was eating clean. But I got to say now, it, Clint, seriously, this is like, this is such a part of my life I spend so much like ridiculous amounts of time just like scrolling through medical journals, like trying to find like interesting stuff, you know, reading Dr. Barnard's studies on type two diabetes. I have become like my dad calls me doctor sometimes. So is my grandfather. They'll ask me questions. They say, so what do I want to do if I have this doctor? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. I, I, I feel like I kind of have the same type of brain as you. I, I, I love listening to information. Uh, you know, all these guys, Garth Davis, Michael Greger, Michael Clapper, Dean Ornish, you know, I, when you, when you called me, uh, I was actually just listening to the Rich Roll podcast, which if somebody knows Rich Roll, awesome guy too, um, in the plant-based movement, I was listening to him interview Dean Ornish and Ann Ornish on his podcast online. You can find that on YouTube. It's, it's awesome. I'm only about halfway through it. Anyway, that's besides the point. I just got to say, this is a big part of my life. And when you said, oh, you know, Dr. Barnard. Oh, yeah, I know. I know Dr. Barnard. I would love to meet people like that, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, very humble guy. Uh, happy to listen rather than talk over a dinner table, um, which I think is a sign of people who are wise. You know, if you're the one yapping <laughs> away all the time, you know, you're not learning, are you? I find that if you're the one doing all the talking, then, you know, when I do a lot of talking on this podcast, I do so because people have often commented under YouTube videos or have emailed me and says, I like on the podcast when you share your own experience or try and teach us something uh, as we're also listening to the guest. And so um, that's what I deliberately do if I feel I can contribute something that I've observed in amongst my support group where I interact and coach people really closely and learn a lot about their situation and how to help them or whether or not it's from just from emails or from conversations like that. So. Yeah, I mean, we can, yeah, the community is fantastic. We have got such great celebrity yeah. doctors, great celebrity fitness and sports people within the plant-based movement that it is a movement that's exciting and it's something that is only just beginning. So someone like yourself, you can set up an Instagram page, you can post images of yourself and talk about, I, you know, how you're training and what you do to reduce or keep at a minimum your SI joint pain post pictures of the foods that you eat, the people who you're influencing, uh, inspirational quotes, all this sort of stuff. And you can gain a large following of people who are inspired, who support what you're doing. 
and it's fun and it's exciting and it's changing the landscape of the way we eat and it's saving the planet and it's it's you know you feel good about the fact that it's a no animals are suffering as a result of our us being on the earth at least in in that capacity in the eating capacity so you know good for you get into it you know you also as you said you you're young and vibrant and have great vitality and also you look good and you've got a great story so keep it going beyond this conversation really turn oh, I this, will. yeah <laughs> lose this as a platform and uh, one of many that you can build a, a following because I'm sure a lot of people want to continue to see how this goes. So you and I both have a tendency to chat. So let's move it on. Let's get through. Yeah. I want to hear how the program went. And I specifically want you to share tips on things that you learned that you emphasized part of the program, whether it be the smoothies or the exercise or stretching, whatever it might be, implementable tips for other people. So let's get to that in a second. First of all, take us through the, the pain reduction that you experienced when you started implementing this process. Okay. Yeah. So obviously in the beginning, I knew I was going to do well on a juice fast because I had experienced that before. So the juice fast was, it wasn't really that hard. Um, maybe because, you know, I don't think it's because I'm a super disciplined person. I think it's just because I was used to trying really hard things and ridiculous things <laughs> yep. uh, at that time. So it wasn't, it wasn't too hard for me specifically, but I understand if that is really, really difficult for most people. But it was actually, I mean, Maybe I shouldn't say it wasn't difficult readapting to the foods because it was slightly. Yeah. But I think with the way I was already eating, it, it wasn't super hard because I was somewhat restrictive by nature anyway yeah. because I was trying to do healthy eating. And you know, let me let me actually say I don't like using the word restrictive. If people say, "Oh, you have a really restrictive diet now, don't you?" I say, "No, I don't have a restrictive diet. I just have a real diet because mm. <laughs> I'm just eating." real food. Mm. I'm not eating fake food that we make or that we kill for our mm. own was unnecessarily, you know. Mm. So anyway, let me comment uh, on that as well if you don't mind because I've something that's yeah. that's really was a big a big turning point for me with my journey. There's a, a doctor uh, a gastroenterologist called Dr. Hiromi Shinya who I've mentioned several times. I mentioned him in my book so he wrote the enzyme factor. It's in a box here. We've moved so many times. I don't know where the book is, but he's got the enzyme factor and the microbe factor. When I read the enzyme factor, what, what, what really changed my views on food profoundly was that this is a gastroenterologist in his 70s, and he built his diet around watching what people eat and what their colons look like. I mean, it's a fascinating way to develop your own eating habits, right? And his diet primarily consisted of a mixture like the two grain or the three grain mix in our program of buckwheat, quinoa, amaranth, millet, and brown rice. Okay. Now I tried all of those and recent version of our program have omitted the amaranth because it's just a pain in the ass and gets in the cracks on the, on the tiles and everything. So I've sort of taken out the amaranth uh. and I've postponed the brown rice because I found it a difficult reintroduction. So hence we're left with millet, buckwheat and quinoa. Well, I don't like millet, so I took millet out and that's where the two grain mix came from. That's where buckwheat and quinoa came from. And they wow, were the okay. first foods I was able to eat after doing raw foods for eight months. And so first cooked foods I was able to eat. Now he ate the same thing, breakfast, lunch and dinner. He eats the same food every meal. Buckwheat, quinoa, millet, brown rice, amaranth, same thing over and over again. 
And he obviously uh, eats uh, some other snacks like some uh, fruits and vegetables and green leaves. But the bulk of his calories and his nutrients come from these simple meals that are repeated over and over again. And he even talks about in his book, he loves sushi. He's Japanese. And he says, sometimes, very occasionally, as a special treat, I'll have it. But I know it's not for health purposes. It's just that I just feel like it sometimes. But for health benefits, that's what he eats. So he's not, it's not a celebration of food. It's using food as a purposeful medicine. Yeah, I yeah. got it. And I saw, yeah, I, you're right. I found like that was, that was huge. That was huge. I'm like, okay, look, you don't have to eat thousands of different things. You just eat the healthiest stuff as much as possible and you have the healthiest possible body. Yeah, yeah. Even if we really wanted to, if we, like there are so many things thousands of varieties of plants on the planet. You could try a new variety of banana every day for the next year and not even be here half or even a, maybe even a tenth of them. I mean, there's so many bananas, but we only eat one type. Yeah. Like, but whereas with like, you know, with meat, there is like beef, pork, chicken. And then if you're going to count other animal products, there's like eggs, milk, and really that's all dairy products. There's like five, maybe six right. or seven things that we just disproportionate. Uh, we eat a disproportionately large amount of our calories from those things. Yep. And then we say, oh, it's not a meal if it doesn't have beef. It's like, well, you know, it. Well, I have much more variety if I'm looking for plant-based options. I have, oh, yeah. If I want to, if I want to, I have so many, I feel less restricted now than I ever have. Wow, and by the yeah. way, I got a, a just a side note, I sort of had a, well, I didn't sort of have, growing up, I had a lot of body image dysmorphia. I really did. And my family will really relate with that. And I got to say, through this restrictive, <laughs> put that in quotes, ray of eating, I have basically cured my body image dysmorphia. I, I mean, it was so bad. I was like, but growing up, I never went to the pool because I would not take my shirt off in front wow. of people. And now, you know, I went to the pool this last summer. I looked better than I ever have. I felt better than I ever have. And I was proud to show it and I loved it. And it was the most enjoyable experience. That's awesome. You know, that is just absolutely fantastic. That's one of those unexpected benefits that you just don't even imagine could happen from doing something like this. Well yeah. done. So, so cool. Okay. Let's, uh, let, let's keep things moving because, uh, I, I want to respect people's time who might be listening and, and try and keep it, uh, uh, keep it moving along. So let's talk about uh, symptomatic reductions and how you did it. Well, yeah, as once I got onto kind of the baseline foods, uh, I actually, I, I think this is, it seems like this is a somewhat common thing with people that follow your program. Uh, I stuck with those for a long time. Yeah. Um, yep. And it, it really wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I stuck with them probably for man, two, maybe even three months, actually, yeah. just because, yeah. uh, you know, you're like, you're feeling good. You don't yeah. want to, you, you talk about it in your book, if you're in the healing groove, you don't want to get out of that. That's and it. I, you know, I've had hiccups. I've had times where I get out of that healing groove and I get down. I'm like, man, why am I feeling this way? So one of those was actually just like last week, you know, I was kind of down out of the healing groove and, you know, I've jumped right back into it, kind of did a little reset, you know, jump back. I'm actually like on the baseline meals right now. And it, it just, it's amazing how it just, you know, just works. It just works. It just works. Yeah. So as whenever I, whenever I went through that, I did it for a long time. And whenever I started reintroducing foods, it didn't seem like I had any real problems with the exception of like citrus. 
it seemed like large amounts of citrus didn't go super well, specifically lemons. Mm. Now, I didn't try it more than once, so it's not like, you know, I, I could guinea pig myself again and see if that's, mm. but, but remember this was earlier on. This was one of the first foods I reintroduced. So okay. who knows how much my intestinal environment has repaired uh, and gotten even better since then. So who knows? I, I very well could tolerate lemon now. I, I would almost bet you I probably could. Um, what but besides order, that, I, what order of food did you go roughly? I know it's impossible to remember, but I mean, even if you sort of give me an idea around whether it was some fruits or whether it was just some, some very low starchy veggies, or do you remember, can you give me a, just a rough idea of what reintroduction order you had? Yeah, yeah, I can. So I remember specifically the first one was zucchini mm -hmm. and then it was, yeah. And that was awesome. It was like, wow, this is something different. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't this life-changing thing. I was yeah. like, wow, I'm eating something different after yeah. like three months. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all I did was like like shred it onto my salad as kind of like a, it was, made it so a little more moist. Yeah. Um, and anybody, uh, by the way, little tip on the Pattison program is whenever Clint says giant salads, I took that to heart. And seriously, my salad bowls are like twice the size of my head. It's huge. And I, I love it now. I love it. Mate, you look so, so healthy. Something's working because you look extremely healthy. I don't know what you used to look like in the past, but like the moment I saw you, I'm like, this is a young, very healthy looking, handsome man. That's the first thing I thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I've had, it's, it's very weird to get this as a 21 year old, uh, but just people who haven't seen me in a couple months, maybe, well, maybe more, more like eight months or so, they say, oh my gosh, your skin looks great. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, really? It, it your does. Your skin looks and, amazing. And I, I know I, we probably, I probably have terrible lighting in here or something. And it's, it's definitely not the best camera angle, but you know, I sometimes, you know, not, I don't feel like many people have this and I don't want people to think this is a pride thing. I want them to think that this is like, this is more of a just like I'm happy with the mm. way I am kind of thing is I'll sometimes wake up in the morning and I'll look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, this doesn't happen all the time, but I'm like, dang, I got things going for me. And I just like, <laughs> I love it. I'm like, you know, it's 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 weird because before then, I mean, I might have said that a little bit, but, you know, now it's like, wow, you know, my I don't stink as much. That's another benefit is, you know, once I eliminated dairy, I noticed that I don't stink as much when I sweat. Um, you know, I, my skin is better. My skin was never terrible, but now it's like, you know, I have no skin problem. I mean, if I ever have a pimple, it's like one and done and it's like one right. day problem and it's never sticking yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for noticing that other people have too. And it's, it's really awesome. It's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the reasons you can look at yourself and say, dang, I have things going on. And, and I think that that's good and that all of us should look for ways to complement ourselves and to have the highest self-esteem possible. Because why not? I mean, if society thinks that that's facetious or whatever, that, uh, then society's destined to fail. Because we, we need to look at ourselves and love ourselves and look in the mirror and not look for the things that are wrong in our face, but the things that exist behind the eyes. It's us in there. There's a spirit. There's a spirit yeah. that is that is glowing and that wants to do great things and wants to be loved and wants to share love. And when you can look in your eyes and 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 you can feel that for yourself, it's because not only have you got the physical external stuff that that really is just uh, the luck of the draw or the gene pool. And you can't be a, you can't take responsibility for that. Nor can your parents. It's all really genetically unpredictable. But what you can project enormous love for yourself is that you're not accepting 
something that's an enormous inconvenience and problem in your life and then running with it with the victim mentality. You've turned that around and you've got something that you can reflect upon when you look in the mirror and say, I am a conqueror. I am a champion. I have taken information and I've applied it and I've taken my own feedback and experience and modified this. And I have done something absolutely remarkable. And at your age, with the blessings of the physical appearance and what you've achieved, who gives a toss about the university, right? You can always re-enroll in the university. You can always get that education, which, by the way, was an important part of my life. And I highly recommend you consider whether or not it's right for you. But... You know, as this achievement, it's like Anthony Robbins says, when, you know, when you've conquered like your greatest fear, everything is surmountable. Everything after that becomes easy compared to this enormous challenge. So whether or not you've got 1% SI pain or whether or not you've got five, the point is you know how to control it. You know how to be on top of it. If you want zero, you go and take a day where you do a fast for a day. Big deal. The point is, that you have really achieved something remarkable that most people don't achieve in their lifetime. And that is why we can look in the mirror and say, we are a strong, powerful, wonderful human being. So I think it comes yeah. from deep, deep within. Yeah. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I, I thought I thought I might, might point this out uh, just in case anybody that is watching maybe has AS uh, was wondering, I didn't just have SI pain. It had, by the way, it had spread. It started in my SI joint, but it had spread all the way up my spine. And it actually seemed to be becoming more of an arthritic, like systematic problem because I actually do, I did get a little bit of problems in my shoulders and my knees as well. So it was spreading through my whole body. Uh, but it was it had spread primarily up just my whole spine up to the base of my head. But anyway, that's just besides the point. So just in case somebody's yeah, watching and they're thinking, mm. yeah, just in case somebody is watching and they think, oh, well, this guy doesn't quite understand because he didn't have the progression. He didn't have it all the way up his spine like I did. I did. I did. I trust me. I know. I know that feeling of being yeah. completely bound and not being able to even twist even the tiniest bit or bend over or you know, looking up, like, I, I know that feeling of being completely bound up by tightness and pain. So yeah, just in case anybody was, was wondering, or if they weren't wondering, or if they just, just, yeah. I mean, no, that's just great. so they know. That's great. That's great. You know, one of my friends who has a, has his own podcast in the business space, he says he tries to eliminate the yeah, but comment from when he's creating podcasts. You want to eliminate the yeah, but stuff because yeah. people watching this, they say, yeah, but exactly. He didn't have this or yeah, but it's because he's young or yeah, but it's because of whatever. So I'm glad you pointed that out. And you clearly had, you know, the, the full spectrum of the AS symptoms, which is uh, uh, really, really substantial. So can you tell me uh, anything more about your introductions, your reintroductions uh, before we talk about how you are now? And then I want to wrap up with uh, some tips for people. Sure. Yeah. Reintroductions. I think like, like I said, first one was definitely a zucchini that I remember. And then I can't remember what, exactly what I did after that, but I can give you a general guideline of like the ones, the things that came first, uh, definitely the miso paste, the, um, what is it? It would have been lemon. And that's at that point, it was one of the first foods I reintroduced, mm-hmm. which is maybe one of the reasons I reacted to it. So I think I could probably tolerate that now. 
Um, another one, let's see, like uh, Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. um, cauliflower. I didn't actually introduce fruits for a little while, surprisingly. Yeah, I'm picking um, up on I, that. Yeah, but I seemed I seem to tolerate fruits pretty darn well now. I mean, okay. actually, if this gives you an idea, I tolerate fruits really, really well because we had, just a couple weeks ago, I was. This is when we started emailing. I was telling you we were going on vacation. Uh, we ended up going on a cruise out of Florida in that area, um, which is why I thought it was cool because I thought I heard you were in Florida at that time. I'm like, wow, we're in the same state. Anyway, um, so while we were on that cruise, I was thinking, okay, how am I gonna substantially get some like of those baseline meals. So at dinner, I, I really, really had to harp the waiters about like no oil, Hmm. please. Hmm. And it took them till the last night to actually get the orders. Right. And I lots of the time had to rely on just the, the fruit that was on the upper deck. It's always available, you know? So I was like, you know, people looking at me like I'm absolutely crazy. I have this big plate of cantaloupe, like six bananas, three pears, and that's my breakfast. And I'm yeah. just like, and people look at me like I'm the, and they had some oatmeal too. So I had some oatmeal oh, um, and awesome. they just look at me like I am this monster. And I'm like, why? This yeah. is amazing. I love eating yeah, this yeah, way. Yeah, 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 and it yeah. was the coolest thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I noticed that after that week, I didn't feel as good. I mm-hmm. that That's probably what led to uh, me yeah. wanting to go back on this reboot is because I was relying so heavily on yeah. fruit. Not saying anything's wrong with fruit, I'm, yeah. but something might be wrong with fruit for you if you have the intestinal uh, environment that has been so impaired through your lifestyle choices. So maybe just don't eat fruit for like 80% of your calories like I did just for that one week. Oh, but totally my point great. is – yeah, my point is I can I can tolerate them that well. Um, but after I'd kind of gone through the non-starchy vegetables, I went to like potatoes and then I did some berries like strawberries and blueberries uh, and banana. So, yeah, that was okay. probably first couple that, foods I went with. That That's fantastic. And what about some of the more challenging, more heavier sort of starches stuff? Uh, you mentioned potatoes. That's sensational because what we look for, if people are listening for this, you're looking for foods that are highly convenient. That provides you mm-hmm. with a great range of nutrition, but also that uh, able to provide you with energy. Because we don't want to be snacking on little bits and pieces all the time and trying to get by on things like the zucchini and like you know you know yellow squash, which aren't going to give us any pain, but nor do they give us any energy. So we're not getting anywhere. Um, but once we can yeah. get rice and potatoes and corn and even some um, free sourdough breads or some you know pasta once we can get into that world i mean the world world is good because then we're always got something that that's satiating and that also mm-hmm. tastes nice so um were you able to get some of those foods in as well yeah i actually had pretty much really no noticeable problems with anything but maybe if i if i ate a large amount of beans Okay. And that and that's yeah. probably because of their higher protein content mm-hmm. is, you know, people mm-hmm. with arthritic conditions generally don't ha- uh their their guts definitely don't favor the high protein environment. So I just kind of take it easy on the beans and I think you talk about that a little bit in your program when you're combining maybe rice and beans together. Go a little easy on the beans if you want to try reintroduce them. But it was like anything that I introduce it was never like night and day like I woke up the next day I'm like that's a no no. Oh. I never had that. Right. Never had that, which is okay. awesome. Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So that was a little more subtle. It was like, I think that that's not quite as good as how I felt the day before. Yeah, it was it's subtle. So I can't say anything definitively about, yeah. okay, maybe maybe I don't do as well with large amounts of beans. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I would. But, you know, 
I don't mm. think that, I mean, beans are amazing, but I kind of like rice just as much. So I figure if I just mix an equal portion of rice and beans together, I get the health benefits of both. And, you know, I'm not missing out on anything. Excellent. Excellent. And of course, rice and beans is one of those staples that if you go throughout South America, you know, at least traditionally, if we rewind the clock, maybe 50 plus years, that's all everyone eats, just beans and rice, beans and rice. You know, Melissa yeah. used to Melissa used to go to Costa Rica sometimes, or she'd go to, and she also opened a, was part of an opening for a restaurant chain in Hawaii. And she's like, whenever you see the surfers, the surfers were coming out and they're always just eating beans and rice, beans and rice. So, <laughs> you know, it's just such a staple, isn't it? It's just, it's a complete, delicious, great little combination and uh, very, very uh, hearty. So let's talk, let's wrap up by giving some tips. Um, uh, are there some things that you emphasized I noted one time you mentioned here about the large amount of leafy greens. Clearly, that is yeah. a success path for everybody. There can be nothing sure in life. Taxes, death, and leafy greens will make you feel better. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, anything beyond that? Was there, like, did you favor baby spinach over the others, or did you like this? And then anything else that comes to mind? I want you to talk about maybe some exercise. Anything else you can think of? Uh, well, yeah. So obviously, yeah, get as many leafy greens as you can. I mean, that's like, I saw you hammered that throughout the program. I'm like, all right, I'm going to hammer this. Like nobody else is going to hammer this. Cause I, my mom saw it and she's like, you know, my mom is a very healthy person. Always kind of has been at least for as long as I've known her. Um, and she was like, Oh my Lord, Skylar, are you going to eat all? Yeah, you can't. And I'm like, watch me. I will. It'll probably take me an hour and <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes but I will. Anyway, um, more, more tips. Uh, one thing that I found that helps me a lot, and you talk about this is actually, uh, biking. I actually didn't do stationary biking. I love being outdoors as much as possible and riding my bike around. If it gives you any idea, if anybody is in the Midwestern United States right now, you know how it is right now. It's cold, it's snowy, um, but hey, the roads got cleared off today and it was exposed concrete. I'm out riding my bike for at least 20 minutes. I'm just trying because I like doing it and it help, helps me make, makes me feel better. I'm sure it has to do something with the movement of the hips and the SI joint. Probably something like that. I mean, I'm sure that it's definitely and it's just exercise overall. So if finding something, it, it just so happened to be that biking really, really helped me. I, I know you talk about Bikram yoga a lot. I could never find a bikram. I wanted to so bad. I could never find a bikram yoga close to me. So, but I did do, I do yoga very frequently, probably, I mean, pretty much it's like almost like a religious practice, like 20 minutes every morning, at yep. least yep. not literally religious, but you know, I, yep. I very often do yoga right when I wake up in the morning. I don't know if it had anything to do with my success. I kind of just really like doing my exercise at yep. least some of it in the morning, right mm -hmm. when I wake up. I'm the same. I and do then, exactly the same thing. I have a sequence of stretches that I do, and uh, sometimes I don't get through them all. Sometimes I just do a couple. Um, but certainly a hip hinge forward bend is the excuse me first thing that I do every day. So I so like when you're about to do a deadlift at the gym, so you your pelvis gets tilted forward, give the hip hinge, and then I reach down. I just I just uh, slide my fingertips down my ankles. And it just hits the spot every morning. And then I just do that. And then I have another little weird one that's a funny looking thing, which is like almost like a, uh, you know, legs far apart, uh, toes pointing opposite direction, just opens up the hips. And then I uh, sort of do a, like a very wide legged semi squat 
these two things just seem to help my particular restrictions open up a lot every morning. I feel good after doing that. So uh, funny, we come back to Dr. Shinya again. Shinya does the same thing. He wakes up every morning and he says he gets uh. his stretches out of the way. Now he's 70, right? So, you know, by then you'd expect to have a few things that are a bit stiff and stuff. But, uh, you know, I think it's good practice. What does a cat do when it wakes up in the morning? You see a big stretch, you know, and I watch my kids, right? My kids being the most pure version of a human that's had no influence of what we, how we should behave every morning when we get up. They just wake up and I see my two-year-old and she's like, oh, you know what I mean? She's stretching <laughs> like that. It's normal, isn't it? It's the right thing. We should yeah. get that stretches going through the body in the morning. And sometimes we get out of bed and we get straight into our morning routine without doing it. And I don't think that helps. Yeah. So by the, if there is one way I could make that into like a technical tip is find, I mean, you probably talk about this in your program. I just might not be able to remember it. Find exercise that really works for you. You might have to experiment a lot. I mean, it just so happened that bike riding was something that I already really enjoyed doing. Mm. And it just so happened to help me a lot, which was great. It's very convenient. I love going on, you know, 30 minute hour bike rides every yeah. single day, even after my morning exercise. Usually my morning exercise, especially in the winter, like now, is usually just in my bedroom. And I'm doing, I just I'll tell myself every morning, if I'm not feeling good in this place, do something. Yeah. Do something. And that's another tip is don't tell yourself, I don't feel good enough. Do something. Just like, you know, say my neck isn't feeling so good one day. You know, do something that is just involving my legs. You know, mm -hmm. try some squats right in place. Just mm -hmm. get blood flowing. Mm -hmm. And I tell myself when I'm not feeling it, just got to do something. Just do something. That's it. That's and that, that, might be a, that might be something that really helps somebody. You know, I don't know. That, I love it. That's Skylar's version of the Nike just do it, but you're just doing just something. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I used to ask the question, what can I do right now to help this situation? And then when it was done, I would say, yeah. what else can I do right now to help the situation? So it became this never ending loop of what can I do right now to help this situation? So whilst we keep asking these questions, we get the answers. It's a better question than what's my future going to look like? Or how am I going to deal with this today? Or what did I do to deserve this? Because you'll get answers. The, the brain will give you answers to any question. And if we ask the right question, we get better answers. We get answers that, that empower us. So these are good tips. Is there anything else you can think of? And I'm sure you'll think of about 20 once we jump off the recording. Yeah. But uh, just to stimulate some creative juice here, uh, what about uh, with regards to um, do you snack a lot or do you eat a lot at each meal? I'm not, I don't tend to snack as much. I don't know if that's a, perf if that's really a thing that a lot of people, I know it's a thing that a lot of people do, but I don't know if it's preferred for your program. I know it shows on your program, you know, eat three times a day just seems to be kind of what I do. I find that if I try to snack a lot, it just ends up eating up a lot of my day. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah. I, wow, I spent like three hours <laughs> in the kitchen today. <laughs> you know, I, it's like, I know I'm not going to get, you know, yeah have fun trying to get fat on the Patterson program of, of, I mean, cause you're not going to, I look better and feel better. And I was, I was already a pretty eh, decent shape, but you know, I, I look better now than I ever have. And <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, you're not going to get fat by that, but yeah, just about two, sometimes two, usually three meals a day. Right. I try to move more towards three meals a day because if I find I find if I do two meals a day, I end up trying to stuff myself a little too much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But my meals are 
big. You know, people see me eat my meals, even if it's three, three meals a day, they're like, oh my gosh, you're going to eat all of that. I'm like, yeah, you want, you want a slim figure, eat plant-based and eat as much as you want <laughs> all the time, whenever. And it's, it's true. It just works. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, have you got any, um, uh, things like an air fryer or a rice cooker, or have you got any of the tools that uh, help, have helped you? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I don't have an air fryer. I've really thought about just, you know, you know, just saving up and getting one. They're not all that much, but you know, I didn't really have a need for one. So I just ended up, didn't, didn't end up getting it. If it's a need for you and it's something you really want, I think you should. Anyway, maybe I'll end up caving one of these days. But yeah, Instant Pot was actually, that's a big thing. I don't know if that's a big thing in Australia, is it? It, it is not, but um, ah, okay. one of our very popular support group members, Ellen, she's always putting up content about her Instant Pot. I mean, she loves it. So do your family have one? Yeah, it's just as helpful as, you know, I don't know how to really tell. I mean, if you don't have an Instant Pot, just, just go buy one. It's worth it. It's <laughs> right. really worth it for anything you want to do. I mean, it... It cooks that uh, that staple, you know, two or three grain blend. Uh, I mean, it cooks it in about what thirty minutes or something. It's it's fantastic. So some days, like usually, I'll end up finishing it that night. I'll wake up a little, you know, five minutes earlier in the morning, put it in the instant pot, go do my exercise, and yeah. then it's already well and done by the time I'm done with my exercise. So instant pot, awesome thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. If there's one last tip, uh, I know I don't think we've touched too much on like the mental part of healing, yeah. but that was a huge part of me too. We can't, I know we probably don't have much time to go into it. No, you go, go for it. We'll, we'll make this our last topic. Okay. Okay. So really the importance of keeping yourself. I mean, if, if you notice every time you start going down, spiraling, spiraling down and you start telling yourself, I feel worse, what am I going to do about this? You'll notice that every time you do that, if you continue to do that, you won't feel better the next day. But the days that you tell yourself, I'm going to do something about, you know, you like you said, how am I going to do something right now to make this situation a little better? And then afterwards, do it again. Mm. When you start to have that mindset and you say, you know, this worked for me once, I can do it again. You know, I have setbacks every here and there. Whenever I have that mindset, things tend to get better. And mm. I think that pretty much universal for everybody. Is that mm. a coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, and some of that comes from, you know, you can't have it all from within yourself. It also comes from other people. And specifically me, I don't have a lot of people my age. I live in a very small town in mid Missouri. So my support during the Patterson program was like, seriously, oh my gosh, my mom, my mother is a godsend. She was the support, the person that kept me going, that I could tell all my feelings to how this is going you know, she was a person that I talked to and she's still, you know, my mom is like my best friend, nothing against my dad. It's just like, you know, sometimes my dad and I can't quite relate like my mother and I do because partially because mom, my mom and I have this connection through this experience. She yeah. was the one who was with me at my darkest hour because yeah. she was the one who kind of knows how to knew how to deal with me with that because she was I, I, we can't go into detail, but she had a similar experience early on in her life, not with an autoimmune condition, but with some unknown kind of pain thing, fibromyalgia-like stuff. So she kind of could relate with me. So she was there with me in my darkest hour. And also now in my, you know, one of my mm. triumphs. So mm. now mm. we're like best friends through mm. that. And we always were kind of best friends, very kind of a mama's boy, which mm. I'm proud of. I'm proud to say I'm sure. a mama's boy. So having the inward talk, the self-talk, yeah. 
that's really, really important. It's, it's just as important as everything else. Cause if your self-talk is bad, everything else is going to suffer. And same thing with your support. If you have no support, then your mental state is going to suffer. And then you have that same problem. And then the third thing I would say is some type of, you you talk about just meditation, just some type of spiritual practice to bring you closer to what you feel is an actual purpose. Because if you don't have a search for a greater purpose about what am I going to do after I do this, you know, then everything is meaningless. If you have no intent for what am I going to do after I do this? Why do I even want to do any of this in the first place? If you have no intent, then then life is meaningless. But it doesn't have to be. You have to, you talk about make healing a must. You talk about that. You talk about creating a really compelling future for yourself. If you can do that for yourself, you just have to make the compelling future for yourself greater than the pain that you feel right now. And I know that's really hard, but you just got to stay, make small steps. It's, it's, I mean, it just works. That's, that's one thing I just say, I say all the time. I'm like, it just works. Just try it. You know? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's absolutely great. Uh, you really uh, have a great familiarity with all the stuff that I've put out. So I'm really, really uh, humbled to hear you sort of quote many of the things that I've put in the program and that I've pulled from other sources and that have worked for me. Um, and something that you said was absolutely so true. And it's so subtle, so subtle that it takes someone who's been really through the trenches with this to discover this and to know the power of this. And is what you said with, was with regards to if you're having a couple of days where you feel that spiral, it seems to perpetuate a negative outcome physically. And it's true that once you feel in that healing groove, once you develop this sense of, ah, I'm winning, I'm winning, this is working, I'm getting there. And if you have a couple of days like that, as long as you don't go and eat the wrong thing and do something silly, you know that that actually helps the progress that helps the momentum and that's a subtlety that is um, very very uh, interesting that you've observed that and you've been able to articulate that because i don't think we've covered that with anyone else in any other episode so i'm really glad you mentioned that okay well skylar thanks man this is uh this has been a fabulous discussion and uh i've i've uh, been really really having a good time chatting to you uh and i want to thank you for sharing your story um, and I, I'm sure that this has been great uh, watching or listening for other people. So congratulations on how far you've come. I can see that, that your passion for not just getting yourself better, but for this whole movement of plant-based nutrition for human health and the planet and for animals is something that you're very passionate about. So this will very likely not be the last time we cross paths. Um, you should come to some conferences. The, there are plant-based conferences throughout the U.S., I'm not geographically tuned in to where Missouri is so much as regards to uh, where these conferences are occurring, but I'm sure that everything is within a three or four hour plane ride for you. And there are conferences on the East, West Coast, in North Carolina and, and all over the place. You've got the Plant-Based Nutrition for Healthcare or Life, uh, oh, geez, the acronym always gets me, but this one that's happening in uh, this year in September um, there's another one, and that one's in Oakland, in um, uh, which is up near San Francisco. That that one's fantastic. And then there's one by Plant Stock, which is happening in North Carolina, and I think that one's in August. There's one by Plant, the, the one that Neil Bernard organizes, or is or his organization organized. That one's in Washington D.C., and that one's in July. Each one of these are absolutely sensational conferences, and with your personality, your passion, and your story. 
you should go to one of these conferences and you will love the food. You'll love the presentations. You'll learn a ton. And most importantly, you meet people who are absolutely sensational and you become friends and you can keep the conversation going on, on social media later. And it's a super, super cool way to connect with other people that becomes really enjoyable. And some of the friends I've made at these conferences, I, I, I hold very close to my heart. Get out there, man. I would. Build I this. would love to go to something like that. That's I've had my eyes on a couple a couple conferences like that. So yeah, yeah if if you ever yeah if you're ever gonna be at one of those, I I will make an effort to get to it because heck, I would love to meet Mr. Patterson in person. That would be so cool. Well, I spoke to the <laughs> as so, well as others. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great to meet you in person. As we're recording this, this will this will go to air at the end of February 2019. So for folks listening to this in the future. Last conversation I had with the organizers of Plant Stock, I meant to be speaking at that event this year. That's the North Carolina event. And I would, would have otherwise not mentioned that uh, because it's not confirmed, but uh, no harm done in saying that that is a penciled in thing. So if I find out that that's going ahead, I will make that public. And um, Dr. Bernard actually asked me to speak at his event uh, in 2020. So that would be July 2020. Um, and if anyone's in Hawaii, I'll be in July in 2020 as well, speaking on Oahu and also Maui. But I'm hoping to put a lot more dates together once we get stateside. We're going to be in the United States uh, from August 2019, this year onwards. And once over there, I'm going to sort of, you know, now with our third child, now nearly seven months old, you know, we're stopped with the kids. Um, I can start to uh, uh, look towards more of this stuff. So we'll meet each other at a conference, whether I'm speaking at it or not. Yeah, I'd love it. That'd be awesome. It'd be so cool. Awesome. Anyway, thank you. Back to you. Thanks very much for, uh, for, for sharing your story. Let's stay in contact. Looking forward to, uh, to seeing you down the track in person. And I uh, just want to thank you for your time once again. Yeah. Oh, thank you for yours. This is, this is so cool. It's so awesome. To, it's, to me, it's like a, it almost seems like a prophecy fulfilled this moment right here, even though I'm just sitting in my house. So yeah, thank you for your time. It's a, it's a real honor to be here awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Skylar. You've been listening to the Pattison Program. For more information, visit pattisonprogram.com.